Hi, this is Chad Dalt. Welcome to my Poverty Informed Podcast. Things are going pretty well, uh, pandemic aside, of course. But I'm thinking about how we can do better. We have managed to maintain our enrollment pretty steady, which is an accomplishment in this year. And we've done it mostly through retaining the students we had. Um, Like many colleges, it's been a bit of a struggle to bring in new students. I think the uncertainty of the world has just made that true. This week, I was struck by uh, a report that some folks shared with me from PBS it came out I think on January 12th and it was uh, a report on how the pandemic highlights disparities in higher education. Uh, it was kind of about the intersection of poverty and race and the pandemic and college success and in the middle of this report I was struck by a statistic from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center that said students who drop out of college only 13 percent of them return I knew that dropping out reduced your odds. I did not know it reduced them to that number. Uh, I dropped out of college twice. I didn't realize it's fairly miraculous that I ever finished. So I got thinking about how we have to do things differently. We just do, right? Uh, Especially in a year where we've lost students to circumstances so far beyond their control, how do we build different structures to bring them back? And on a larger scale, it just got me thinking about how difficult it is to do things differently. Um, And it made me think of a a piece that I wrote uh, about a month ago that I I wanted to share today that's about that struggle with change. And it's called, But We Put Stickers on Books, Chad. I love old pictures. I I have an old picture of me playing basketball in high school, um, which seems like maybe an odd thing to tell you, but I promise there's a point. The picture helps me illustrate how things that make sense at one point in time may not age well, or they might have even been wrong. So exhibit A, in this picture, uh, I have shorts on. uh, Shorts that in the 2020s would pretty much pass for undergarments. But in the late 80s, we thought this is exactly what you should wear. I think we would all agree in 2021 that a little more fabric would have been a good idea, but back then I would have thought you were crazy. This is what you do. Now, exhibit B in this picture, uh, I'm not a very tall man, but I'm jumping as high as I can, holding the ball high above my head and shooting. My friends who understand basketball will know this was actually kind of a slow and ineffective way to do what I was doing. At 5'8", I wasn't jumping over anyone. And if I knew then what I know now, I would have done it differently. And that's the point. It reminds me of a quote from a book I love called Empire Falls by Richard Russo. The quote uh, goes like this. People sometimes get in the habit of being loyal to a mistake. I think Richard Russo was describing what we might call confirmation bias, or if I was going to be a little less lofty in my language, he's describing how we, the assumptions we make and decide are wise, we've only attributed that wisdom to the fact that we made those assumptions a long time ago and they've been around for a while, or they made sense at one time, maybe. Poverty-informed organizations need to check for loyalty to mistakes on a regular basis. I've had uh, 30 or more opportunities this year to present on poverty-informed practice, and as I hone my message, I've created a segment that I informally call Stuff We Do 
that is dumb. Uh, it's not real intellectual, but it is really important. Uh, the most common story I share during this segment is about putting stickers on books. Now, if you haven't heard me present or read uh, what I've written about it, I'll give you the short version. The short version is in past years, the division I led ordered a lot of workbooks for students, hundreds, maybe even thousands. And every time we received a shipment of books, my office staff would spend hours putting stickers on the books that read property of the college and then in all caps, do not remove. Putting these stickers on usually took a day or two of work for multiple people. In fact, we often assigned it as a project to someone who usually had other duties. But in hindsight, the whole exercise was pointless. Our books were rarely stolen. And if they were stolen, no one believed a warning sticker would prevent it. Worse yet, every student who came in was now reminded by these stickers that we thought they were potentially a thief. We had created a system that didn't work, took up time we did not have, to prevent something that was not occurring, and turned our students into suspects at the same time. Like I said, this is the part of the presentation where we identify stuff we do that is dumb. When I decided one of the pillars of being poverty informed was creating a sense of belonging as often as possible, I said we would no longer put stickers on books. In fact, we would remove the stickers we had already put on them. Problem solved, right? If only it were that simple. But we put stickers on books, Chad, was the first answer I received. So I shared my epiphany that it not only wasted time they did not have, did nothing, or even worse yet, did damage. But we put stickers on books, Chad. That's what we do. I was astounded, but I suspect Richard Russo wouldn't have been. We hadn't challenged this practice of putting stickers on books in anyone's memory, and now it was just standard operating procedure. Me objecting to it seemed as odd to my staff as the practice now seemed to me. But I had positional authority, so I told them to stop anyway, and the problem was solved. Sure. No, at first, they said, well, okay, but let's just stop doing it with new books and leave the ones we already have. It's a lot of work, they said, and, and I almost agreed. Fortunately, I've always had a partner in this work. Her name is Mandy, and she, well, I'd like to say gently, but it wasn't gentle, told me to have some courage of my conviction and hold my ground. She reminded me, as she often does, people will work very hard to do new things the old way. And if I really wanted to start shifting what we were doing, this might be a place to start. So I did. I came back the next day and I said to my staff, we are going to remove stickers and if I have to do it myself, I will be glad to do so. It took another four months to get people to stop putting stickers on books. Being loyal to a mistake can be a habit indeed. This sticker story is always a gateway for me to think about other things we do which don't make sense on further examination. You know, things that are dumb. It makes me think of things like trying to increase student success by suspending students who aren't succeeding. Almost every college I know has a version of this policy, and while there are financial aid rules that may be out of our control, surely we can do better on the rest of it. Imagine a child who came to school and was struggling to read, and the teacher told them to go away and come back when they could read better. Now, maybe you're thinking, come on, Chad, that's ridiculous. But it's exactly what we're doing. We tell students, 
You know your grades haven't been good enough for two semesters. Go away and come back when they will be better. Now as someone who lived through those suspensions myself, there was not much I could do while they sent me away to fix anything. In fact, no one ever even asked me, how come you were on the dean's list and now you're here? In those olden days, what I really needed was someone to ask me, why have your grades dropped off so dramatically? But no one ever did. That was a long time ago, and I think many of us do better now. But we still send people away to fix themselves. What does that say about our assumption about those people? Does it say we believe you get a finite amount of help and then you're on your own? Do we feel okay about that? I don't. Another area currently in need of examination is how we distribute emergency aid. This will be incredibly important as most of us are receiving federal funds to give out more emergency aid. How many of our emergency aid mechanisms are based on the underlying assumption students will misuse the funds? To prevent it, we create application screenings and we ask them for receipts or sometimes we only pay third-party vendors. If you can't see the judgment and bias in these deeply held practices, I would argue you are stuck in the habit of being loyal to an old mistake. I have been working in higher education a long time, which means I guess I'm kind of old. Now one of the privileges of being a veteran educator is you get to mentor folks along their own career path. My advice is probably as faulty as anyone's. In fact, my, my partner Josiah in Student Affairs reminds me that many of my guesses are wrong. But I have been consistently told a couple things I say regularly resonate with people who seek my counsel. I first tell them decisions made a long time ago are not made sacred by age. And a decision they can make today likely has the same amount of wisdom attached to it. It's my way of saying, do not grant loyalty to something just because it is how things have always been done. This has been a hard-earned lesson for me. I'm hardwired to want to reach the place of how things should be permanently. But I doubt such a place exists. The second piece of advice I often give is there is no secret group or level of people in your organization who are inherently smarter than you. If you're seeking the place where wisdom resides, I suggest you look within. Now people up the food chain may have gained some knowledge over time, but your ideas are just as worth considering. In fact, veteran educators like me are probably more susceptible to loyalty to old decisions. A poverty-informed organization will seek the wisdom of the people it serves and will challenge its assumptions regularly. A poverty-informed organization is a learning organization and will realize the current system generates exactly the results it was designed to generate. You know, if those shorts I wore made sense in 1988, they certainly don't now. There have to be things we're doing that don't make sense anymore. We can do better, and we must.